Hello and welcome to this episode of Who Cares? What's the Point? The podcast about the mind for people who think. Now, the number of photos that we're taking on a daily basis, either through our smartphones or cameras, which are very cheap and easy to buy and very easy to use, has increased immeasurably uh, over the last few years. We seem to be taking photos of our food uh, when we're at parties, just walking down the street, um, just all the time. So many researchers have been wondering how this is impacting upon our psychological experience of living our lives when we are constantly taking out cameras to capture moments. How is this interfering with our experience of the world or our relationships or how we picture ourselves and present ourselves to the world and the way that we share these photos through social media or other channels. I spoke with Assistant Professor Alex Barash at the New York University Stern Business School about the series of experiments that she's done with her colleagues to investigate how taking photos affect our enjoyment of experiences. Have a listen to the conversation and make up your own mind. Hi, Alex. Thank you very much for joining us today on the show. Um, we normally start with just trying to find out a little bit about um, who you are and why you did this research. So how come you ended up on this topic? Yeah, so uh, actually, if it can get a little bit personal, uh, I started thinking about these research ideas when I was uh, living abroad before I even started my PhD. I uh, traveled a good amount and uh, did a Fulbright scholarship in Asia. So uh, during my year there in Hong Kong and Macau and kind of going all over Asia, I took a lot of photos, probably as you might expect, you know, thousands of photos. And uh, I started to realize that the photo taking uh, that I was doing was affecting my experience. And uh, that was, you know, both for better and for worse. Uh, there were times when photo taking was, you know, really enhancing my experience and making me notice things I might not otherwise have seen and helping me take in, take in my surroundings. And then there were other times where uh, I was getting very stressed out by taking photos and um, and there were, you know, anxieties that came with, you know, thinking about all the photos that I would want to post and share with people. And so uh, kind of going into grad school, I, I realized that I wanted to study that systematically. And I kind of started my my Ph.D. with these questions in mind and and decided I wanted to, you know, experimentally investigate, you know, how does photo taking affect consumers and um, and people's experiences more broadly, both, you know, the enjoyment and the and their memories of the experience. So that's interesting. You've touched upon lots of different things there. Um, yeah. Some of the things that I noticed were. A, the, the number of photos that we take these days and that you, right. you noticed even before you started your, your course of study there on this, on this right. topic. Um, and the other thing, one was kind of like an internal experience of um, interruption, this idea that actually taking, taking photos interrupted somehow your experience of, of engaging with whatever it is that you were taking a photo of. Right. And then there was also, I noticed you were talking about the anxieties around the sharing, uh, around, yep. well, how, how do I and who do I share this image and 
by default mm-hmm. the experience with and, and how you go right. about doing that, right? So there's, a, right. there's quite a few different things that you, you've touched upon there. What, what, and, and in this paper, you know, it's a really interesting paper I found because you've got a series of nine studies reported in this yeah. one paper. And, and, right. and in the setup of the paper, you talk about, you know, your, your goal specifically is to understand whether it, the enjoyment of the, of the experience itself is affected by whether or not people take photos. But there's yeah. a few theories underlying, underlying why that might be. And I was wondering if you could yeah. walk us through some of that. Yeah, absolutely. We we came at this uh, from, you know, again, a, a little bit like my own experience from the angle of uh, we are researchers and we don't know which way it's going to go. And so we were open to seeing empirically, you know, what where the data would take us. But then theoretically, there was definitely research that could also, like my intuitions and ex- own experience, could support both directions. And so it was. Um, it, it's mostly focused around your your point about interruption, but how that can actually go in the other way as well. So we actually we use the term um, engagement in the paper. Um, that's really um, if you think about um, the psychological. Um, theory behind it's really more like an attention point. So uh, when I'm taking photos, it's possible that they will, you know, interrupt my experience, that they will cause me to be less engaged with the actual event or the experience itself, that it will, I'll be thinking about the photos themselves instead of the experience. And, And I think a lot of people have that intuition that photos are kind of ruining our lives because we're so focused on that instead of, you know, living. Um, but the other side of the equation, and as you know, what we ended up showing across, you know, many, many studies uh, is that photo taking also can uh, shift your attention in a way that is actually more immersive and engaging with the experience. So when I am deciding what photos to capture, I'm I'm searching the visual field. I'm taking in content that I might not otherwise notice uh, the, the decision itself is um, is very engaging and and these uh, the you know the psychological theory of attention and engagement and you know being in a flow state like that you know it's just the more that you're doing those things during an experience it's actually going to um, get you more involved to get you um, to actually enjoy that experience more when it's a positive experience so so we sort of saw how the you know, the same theory could make predictions in both ways. And then we went in, I'd say a little agnostic and and said, you know, let's see what the data says. And we've shown across, you know, dozens of studies, you know, not just the ones reported there that, you know, while for sure, it it definitely takes people out of experiences sometimes. And we have, you know, studies in in the paper showing the boundaries of this. That's for sure true, but for the most part, the modal and most common responses that photo taking actually enhances enjoyment of people's experiences. I was very curious and examined my own experience when I was reading your paper, you know, because I've been taking photos for, <laughs> for a lot of my life. And right. what, what I notice is, is that even pre kind of smartphone photos and just the fact that this is just so available now, when I would use a camera, to take photos of things. Often I would, even for days afterwards, be looking at things in a particular way. I'd be looking to almost like trying to compose a shot. So I'd be, you know, the way that I engage with, you know, my environment changed quite a lot as a result of that. And I'd always be 
I'd always be, as you say, a little bit agnostic around, I don't know whether that's good or bad, whether I'm kind of looking at it in this way or not. Maybe it's making me appreciate right. it in a in a different way, perhaps, than, than otherwise exactly. I, I would have done if I hadn't been kind of like in photo mode. Right, right. I love that point. And it's uh, your experience is consistent with uh, some of the data we have in the paper, which shows that uh, we can even get people to take mental photos, that it doesn't have anything to do with the the physical act of pushing a button or taking the photo, that it is really about the attentional process, this, you know, mental thing that we're doing, that we're engaging with the world differently. And I, I also really like your point that it, you know, it's not necessarily good or bad because, um, you know, we, we have another paper that looks at the memory process um, from photo taking. And, and there we show that, you, as you might expect from focusing on visual details, that photo taking can actually enhance our memory for visual content. But because it's, you know, diverting energy and resources to visual, it takes away from our auditory um, capacity. And so we're less likely to remember auditory aspects of our experiences. Maybe that's, you know, the person that you're talking to during your experience, or maybe it's the tour guide telling you about your experience. And, and so it's really a good point that you made that, you know, this isn't, you know, we try to stay away from, you know, good or bad about photos, but we just have to realize that this mental process is, is reshaping the way we live our lives, the way we approach our experiences, the way we see things and hear things. And so, so that's pretty important. And I, I like your, your perspective on that. Uh, and as you're talking, Alex, I'm sat there thinking, I wonder how short videos also map onto this, because you're talking about this kind of yeah. multimodality. And perhaps when we're taking photos, we're probably more dominated right. by that that visual attention and, and perhaps we're not paying as much attention to other things that are going on so we don't have the chance to encode it in memory because right. we're not rehearsing it and we're not we're not looking at yep. it and attending to it so if, we, if we're not paying attention to it it doesn't go in right so we can't right. we don't exactly. have the chance to remember it Yep. And I wonder about videos. I wonder about those Instagram yeah. short videos and maybe right. you know how does that work in terms of memory? Are you aware of anything around that? Um, so no, no work that I know of that is, um, has studied that specifically, I, I would say based on our theory that we can make very clear predictions about how video might operate. And, and to your point, uh, when there's additional modalities, sensory modalities, then your attention will, you know, have to divide between them. Uh, my favorite example of that is just thinking about, um, you know, at a, at a concert, the the goal is oftentimes to hear the music and not to just see the singer or, or um, band. And so you can imagine uh, video has both both components, but you could also imagine recording. And recording would really shift your attentional resources to just the music. And photos are going to shift your attention to the set and the lights and and the visual aspects. And so so video is unique because it has it has both aspects. Um, but for sure, that's going to to change your your attention and will probably come somewhere in between those other two modalities that we're we're capturing when we do it alone so so that's really cool and and we show in another paper that you know the, it's really about the salience of one goal versus the other so if i can really make the visual very salient then that dominates if i make auditory salient that's going to dominate and probably video is going to come somewhere in the middle mm. 
And that's salience, I guess, before we get into the studies, I guess I was also mm-hmm. interested in your introduction when you were talking about this. I guess it relates to this idea of multi-screening, you know, right. people kind of like watching TV, but also perhaps yeah. um, posting on Twitter or on Facebook on the actual site of that show that they're watching and engaging with content or with people or with chat at the same time. Um, yeah, totally. And I guess the, the, the purpose of that is to try to increase engagement with what's going on, but then you're also dividing attention um, across these two different ways of engaging with the show. And, and I guess that's an increasingly modern phenomenon. We're seeing people multi-screening all the time now. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a good question. Something that multiple researchers are working on right now. And uh, there's no paper out yet. But uh, the the interesting aspect of multi screening that you brought up that is, you know, sort of multitasking, doing multiple things at once, uh, that is definitely part of it. And it could it could be engaging to the extent that it, you're doing things that are related, but it could also be very distracting if you're trying to do too many different things. And the other piece is that oftentimes multi-screens come with um, with social media and um, getting feedback on kind of the, the content that you're viewing. So, you know, imagine going, watching a TV show or going through an experience where you're texting about it or sharing about it or in a chat room about it or reading what people are saying on Twitter about it. Uh, so there you actually get this extra force of social connection, which is uh, lots of psychology has shown is a very good thing. So um, it could be that the multitasking is is detracting from it, but that the social connection really enhances it. So so those are going to be some interesting um, forces that have to get teased apart um, in this in this new research. I think that's an interesting point, but because I, I guess that the that social connection assumes that the social connection is good, but often totally. <laughs> Often we find that actually you can get some really um, challenging right. and, and nasty yeah. stuff going on on social media too, which then changes the emotional tone of your experience, which means that you, you may encode it and associate it uh, in memory in, in different ways. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and and in this work, uh, the you know the who is the audience, who are the people that you're talking about really matters. And uh, when you're talking with outgroup members, or you know perhaps these are these are people who are you know more or less similar to you, that can really shift the conversation. You can imagine political views are, are something that um, people feel very strongly about, at least here. Um, and and so there, and you know in the anonymous world of the internet uh, it can definitely detract as well so it'll be highly dependent on all of all of those things yes yes we're, we're on a different show now so let's get back to your study yeah. <laughs> yeah. right so your first four studies you were looking at the trying to examine the basic effects of photo taking on engagement and enjoyment and you had a, uh, some lab studies here and some field studies so maybe you can just walk us through what you did and, and what you concluded from those first four studies yeah, sure. So uh, one of our favorite studies is uh, is the first study in the paper. Uh, that is because we we actually hired a bus tour in Philadelphia to um, take students and other people who were part of the study um, on a real life um, bus tour of Philadelphia, where we we hired a tour guide. The tour guide. Um, you know, had a script and said everything kind of exactly the same across conditions. We we randomly assigned people on this bus tour um, every other hour to switch 
whether they could take photos during the bus tour or not. And we didn't make it so that we were like taking photos away from the, from the control condition. We just said, okay, leave your, leave your belongings here, you know, with us because it's a study. And then the other people, we said, you know, bring your, bring your, um, actually we gave them cameras uh, so everybody would be, everybody would have one. Um, and so bring your camera and take photos. Um, and so we just had them kind of do a route around Philly that took about an hour and they came back and they filled out a survey and, um, the survey asked them about their, um, enjoyment of the experience, how engaged, uh, they were, uh, as well as a few other items around their likelihood to recommend the experience to others and how much they felt like they learned. And all of these things sort of go together where we, we find that those who were allowed or able to take photos, uh, during the experience, they enjoyed the experience more, uh, that this was driven by the increased engagement or immersion with the bus tour. They also felt like they learned more and were more likely to recommend it. Um, but really what we care about, you know, is the enjoyment process. And then we sort of, uh, build on that in, in all of the remaining studies. Uh, we, we did something very similar at uh, Reading Terminal Market, which is basically just like this, you know, farmer's market in Philadelphia. Everybody has intuitions about however, you know, what is all this photo taking doing to our meals? And everyone has to take a photo before they eat anything. So, okay, let's let's look at, at an, you know, an eating experience. So we went to this farmer's market and uh, we just approached people at the table, the tables where they were eating, we just told, you know, again, we randomly assigned people to one of two groups. Uh, in the group that uh, was the control condition, we didn't tell them anything. We just said, enjoy your experience as you normally would and fill out the survey after you're done eating. Um, in the other condition, we asked them to just take three photos of their food. Um, and then again, eat your experience as you nor eat as you normally would and then um, answer the survey. And so there we also find a similar effect where those who took photos of their food actually report that they enjoyed the experience more. Um, so kind of building on that and, you know, you mentioned the lab studies, we've then moved to a lot of studies that are um, – are using our kind of virtual reality paradigm where we um, have people in the lab going through a virtual experience from a first person perspective. They, they watch uh, a video, but it's kind of um, as if they're there. So, you know, on top of a tour bus or maybe they're scuba diving or they're watching a concert. You know, we have a number of different experiences, also safaris. <laughs> so um, then uh, they go through that experience and our, our interface allows um, people to take photos. Um, so that gives us a lot of control over the experience. Everybody sees the exact same experience, but we randomly assign people either to take photos or to not, you know, not be able to take photos, just watch the video. Mm. And those who are able to take photos, again, they report that they enjoy the experience more. We measure um, immersion or en uh, engagement. Um, and so that is, um, you know, consistent evidence with the field uh, data. But, you know, here we get, you know, just even greater control because we're able to say, look, these two experiences were identical, but those who could take photos enjoyed it more. Um, we get some evidence of the of the uh, engagement process in another way because you might be thinking, oh, well, this is all self-report, and you know, you know, people say different things when they're just reporting yeah. um, from their mind. But um, I really love this 
study where we we go to the museum and uh, we actually have eye tracking data. And so um, we we have people wear these goggles that track where their eyes are, and and we find this um, this. Uh, evidence for our engagement process through people's eye movements that they're more attentive to the artifacts in the museum instead of, you know, other distractors, you know, their surroundings, the floor, the ceiling, the other people. So when you're going through an experience with a camera, or like I said, even just like mentally thinking about what you want to capture, it actually changes what you look at. And that engagement process, that visual attention um, is what's driving this greater enjoyment that we find consistently from from self-report. So it's it's a really nice additional study that like demonstrates the mechanism of engagement or kind of visual attention through a physiological measure, which is people's fixations. What are they kind of really fixating on and attending to through in an experience? I really like that part of the um, the paper where you have this objective indicator where you're actually using um, eye tracking. Um, equipment to check where people are actually looking. And I think that that really added something to, to the paper. But you also made me laugh um, around <laughs> around the, um, you know, the whole Instagram experience of people taking photos of their food uh, beforehand. <laughs> and I, when I saw that study, I thought, yeah, this is what people do. This is really interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's it, your last set of studies, you were really looking at the, the sort of the role of engagement, how the act of photo taking may interfere or perhaps reduce the amount of um, enjoyment that people may have. What, what did you find there and how did you go about looking at that? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I totally see the paper the same way as you. So start off with this demonstration that photos can really enhance enjoyment. And then the last three studies look at the boundaries. And that's, um, like you pointed out, in the effort of showing this engagement piece. So, uh, you know, you can build on our theory and say, okay, well, if it's about engagement, then if you have a photo taking experience that is not engaging, then you shouldn't get the same effects. So we we have what we call our bulky interface study where, um, you, you know, you can imagine our phones are just super easy now to just snap photos, but there's other types of, of cameras that are, are less um, easy to use, that they really put more of a barrier between you and the experience. And in that way, we, you know, if, if it's about engagement and that's creating a barrier, then we wouldn't expect the same effects there. So we we manipulate that in, in our study um, and show that the, the positive effect of photo taking is diminished or even disappears, the more distracting the photo interface is. Mm. So if it's, you know, bulky or, you know, it kind of causes a, a like I said, a barrier between you and the experience, um, then that um, really takes away from the ability of photos to, to enhance your enjoyment. Um, so that really speaks to the engagement process. Uh, we also uh, look at, you know, when you are engaged in experience already. So, um, you know, you can imagine that the photo taking engages you and that's a really insightful finding for anybody who's been to something really boring before and thinking about how photo taking can draw you in and enhance that's cool but what if you're already engaged or Mm. you know involved in the experience and and so that's where we have this we have this craft study where people are either observing like a craft person making something or they're doing the craft themselves 
you know, if you're doing the craft yourself, you're already engaged and uh, photo taking in that case um, does not enhance enjoyment. It might even detract um, in some situations. Think about that as, you know, all the people who think, you know, photo taking is taking us out of experiences are probably thinking a lot of the times about these types of situations where, you know, they're, they're engaged in a conversation and they're, and they're very immersed. And so photo taking really does, you know, interrupt. Um, but, you know, where much of our life exists is in these kind of spaces where we're, we're also just observing the world and watching, you know, things pass us or, you know, walking down the street and see something interesting. That's where photo taking can really be beneficial, not necessarily in a time when, when we're engaged in something else. Mm. Um, and then the last study is, is looking at, um, at, you know, when photo taking can be harmful. And again, if it's about engagement, if photo taking is engaging us more, that enhances positive experiences. But if you're engaged more in a negative experience, then that should actually hurt. And so that's where we show that, you know, with uh, these kind of gruesome safari experiences where people are seeing, you know, the bad parts of, of the wild, that photo taking of something like that actually makes people enjoy their experience less. And so, again, to your earlier points that, you know, it's not like uh, there's one, you know, universal claim you can make from all of this or that it's all good or all bad. You know, here we show that photo taking can harm people's experiences and something that, you know, might not have been as bad gets worse because the photo taking really causes you to attend to those visual details more. So, so that's kind of where, uh, we look at the engagement process in a bunch of different ways. And, you know, we kind of just say, these are, these are moderators, these are boundary conditions. That's interesting to me, Alex. And I guess as a clinical psychologist, I was really interested in that last study. And I guess because I guess we have, you know, a whole bunch of citizen reporters out there now with smartphones that are capable of recording things that we just couldn't even think about even five, 10 years ago. By by the sheer ubiquity of these devices, you know, we're going to be capturing and attending to these terrible events that are going on in our communities that go on every day, you know, road traffic accidents, what, what, whatever it is that we're thinking about. Um, and yeah. we're going to be looking at them and attending to them in ways uh, um, that we perhaps wouldn't have done beforehand. And I wonder yeah. about what the, what the impacts of that might be for those people experiencing yeah. that, but also for those people who then are also um, sharing uh, in that experience yeah. through distribution on social media and other platforms? Yeah, that's a great question. I um, thought about it the other day, walking down the streets of New York and there's a bunch of fire trucks and you just, you see everyone kind of craning their necks to try to figure out what's going on. You know, people want to document and capture things um, partly to prove that it happened. You know, if, if there's no photo, then it didn't happen, mm. I think is a lot of people's perspective. Um, so yeah, I, I think your, your point is a good one that um, to the extent that our world isn't all positive or even all neutral all the time that, um, you know, we, if we're attending more to visual details that aren't, aren't positive or, or, you know, nice looking that that could, that could be uh, harmful. And then to your point about the sharing part, I, I totally agree that there's, you know, a downside that also comes from being always, um, I guess, always thinking about how your photos are going to look to others. And so um, another paper that we have on this uh, really looks at that part of the process and how, 
uh, tending to, um, you know, the self-presentational part and how is this photo going to look to others? Kind of what I mentioned earlier from my abroad experience that some of the negative came from, you know, thinking about the anxiety of, you know, mm. how, how is this going to look to others? That is um, something that can really detract from, again, the positive effects of photo taking can be diminished or perhaps even, um, you know, go the other way where you find negative effects from photo taking because you're just, you're thinking about the other things, the, the aspects that are not about the experience, about capturing something in a way that will present yourself in a particular light. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was thinking about because actually taking photos, but then sharing them as well are acts of construction of self. So it's not just mm -hmm. about the enjoyment of the experience that you're going through, but it's also a representation and processing and perhaps reflection of who am I as a person? What is it that I'm interested right. in and sharing with other people? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and we, we call it the curation process. And a lot of people already know, you know, that we spend a lot of time curating our presence on social media. A lot of other researchers have studied that. And I, uh, I think that our, our photo taking paper really just suggests that that um, that process can be even stronger when you're capturing photos because photos are, you know, less easy to alter. You know, I can just tell you about my really great experience and I can exaggerate and I can, um, you know, I can, it's easy to, to talk, but when we're taking photos, it becomes more concrete and it becomes harder to alter. And, and so we get really, really obsessed with, with getting the perfect shot. And so that could be, that could be harmful, I think for us moving forward. Mm. There's, there's a couple of open questions that you have. I just want to pick up on a couple. One you've written about in your paper and that's the number of photos taken. And I guess that that for right. me is also around the time proportion taken in terms uh -huh. of taking photos when you're actually doing something, engaging an experience. What, what were your thoughts around that? Um, how do you think that that might um, influence things? Yeah, it makes sense. I, I've been, you know, we all, all of my co-authors and I, we've always been wanting to show a boundary of number of photos taken that, you know, when you take more photos, you spend more time on it, that that's, at some point, it's got to get in the way when we're taking thousands of photos on our vacations. Um, we have tried very hard to show that in the lab. It's uh, we haven't really found a boundary, um, at least in our laboratory studies. I mean, these are short experiences, though, so it really we're not able to to go yet into you know somebody's like spring break experience where they go for a week and come back with you know a hundred thousand photos so I think there probably is a boundary there it's just that you know with our methods the way you know where they are right now we haven't really been able to document it but if you think about engagement and all of the things we've already talked about out here, then it would make sense that at some point photo taking is going to detract. <laughs> we just, we haven't been able to show it. And it's just a very powerful effect that photos, even if you take a hundred or, you know, it's really good for people. They, it, it draws them in. Yeah. So, so maybe just, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> uh, the other question that I, I had going through my mind, be interested in your thoughts on it is how much do you think this is a generational cohort effect? Is there, um, is, does a previous history of taking many photos whilst you're going through an experience map onto your findings? So perhaps it might be that those people who are maybe 50 or 60 who haven't experienced the last 10 years of really taking a lot of photos and perhaps didn't take so many yeah. photos in the past, how, how does that map onto this? Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, we are definitely interested in the in the age aspect and co 
cohorts and generations. And we have, um, okay, there's two different aspects of that. One is what are people's intuitions? And, and we find that uh, definitely people in older generations have a stronger intuition against the you know, positives of photo taking, mm. that they think photo taking is harmful. Um, in our studies and in, in the paper we've been mostly focusing on here, uh, we have not found differences in age that even for older people who have these stronger beliefs um, against photo taking, uh, that they still get some of the, they get a lot of these benefits. It makes them more engaged and, and oftentimes enjoy their experience more. Uh, where we do find differences on age is with the sharing process. Uh. So, uh, for for older people, um, it's the um, it's not the case that um, sharing photos comes with the same kind of level of curation that we now have with social media and Instagram. That sharing for for older people tends to mean more with family and friends and and people who are you know less likely to be judging us or they're not thinking about all of the likes and the comments and all of the things that that younger generations are. So when I um, so we do have a study actually that looks at age explicitly and, and shows that the, the negative effects of taking photos to share is reduced or diminished completely or um, is completely gone for, for older people. They don't they don't get stressed about sharing. And that's probably because for them, sharing is different. Mm. Um, but where we see the effects most strongly are, you know, for those millennials who are, are really you know, used to, you know, getting that perfect shot, curating their, their life on social media. And that's something that, you know, when I talk about my findings, you know, my students and, and everybody can really relate to, because it's just something that is part of their, of their world. And, and is that, that's the piece that I find to be, you know, more strongly correlated with age. And so it's not the photo taking itself, but the, the sharing process that really matters for, for age. Sure. So, Alex, apart from tech companies who are going to be, you know, bending over backwards to remove barriers for people taking photos <laughs> and to increase the sharing right. capability of them, who, who should care about this research? Why, you know, what's the point? Why, why should we be paying attention to this? Right. Yeah. So definitely, um, you know, being in a marketing department, I, I oftentimes have to uh, talk about the the companies and why they should care but I, I actually prefer the other side of the question that you're asking you know how should, I think it's really about consumers and consumer welfare and and just people more generally I I think that uh, you know just thinking about the way that we all live our lives the, these findings are really informative that uh, it's not again back to our earlier discussion it's not about uh, what's good or bad, you know, should I take photos or not? It's more, what are my goals in this particular experience and, and how should that drive my decision to take photos or not? So uh, if my my goal is, uh, you know, let's say I'm in a foreign country and it's, you know, I'm not, um, you know, able to speak the language, so I'm not already engaged in something, you know, or a conversation, I'm just observing, I want to take in my surroundings and photo taking can really be beneficial for you as a, as a consumer, as an individual. Um, if you're at a concert or at a restaurant where you don't necessarily care what, you know, the stage looks like or what the food looks like, but you really want to hear the music 
sick or taste the food, then you might want to put your your phone away because we know that uh, by focusing on the visual details from the photo taking action, then you're less likely to remember or attend to these other details that might be more important for the experience. And of course, it, it matters whether you're you know taking photos for yourself to remember forever or to or to share. And so. Um, what I always recommend for those who do care about um, posting on Instagram, that to the extent that you can really try to activate that goal after the experience is over, when you already have the photos and you're choosing which photo to post, then that can actually lead to less anxiety during the experience. And so you can really, you know, as an individual, change the way that you enjoy things by trying to just, you know, immerse yourself, take the photos without, you know, taking 70 million of them to get the best shot in the moment, you know, take a few, your, your photos probably going to be fine for social media, choose that later, activate the goal later. And we find that when you, when you activate the goal after the experience, it doesn't retroactively change what you, what you remember, or how much you enjoy it. So, so it's nice if you can just, you know, live your life in the moment, take photos for your personal memories, and then later on activate the sharing goal. Mm. As you're talking, you, you're very much reminding me of something I scrawled on the paper is how is this linked to the concept yeah. of mindfulness? Cause you're talking a lot about, right. you know, this idea of, you know, multi-sensory immersion in an experience and how photos can perhaps um, take away from that. You have a very visual yep. experience, but um, as you say, you know, understanding what your goal is around the taking the photo. So it's much more around how you take the photos rather than the activity of taking the photo itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it, it speaks back to that mental photo study where, you know, it's really not about the act at all. It's about just how you're engaging with your environment. And so uh, I can push a button and that's not doing, you know, it's not changing my enjoyment, but it's about what I'm attending to, what I'm processing, what are, what are my goals? What are my higher level goals for, for doing this action? That's, you know, that's kind of the psychology behind it. It's not, you know, it's not a physical effect. It's a psychological effect. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alex. It's been a really enjoyable conversation. Thank you. Yes. Enjoyed it as well. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Um, this is Who Cares What's the Point, the podcast about the mind for people who think. You can find us on Twitter at WCWTP or I'm more active at Saab, S-A-R-B. Saab Johal, your podcast producer and host. You can find us on Facebook, Who Cares What's the Point, and also whocareswhatsthepoint.com where you can send us email to. Please subscribe, listen to us on iTunes or any other podcast app that you prefer. Tell your friends, leave a review, rate the podcast. All of that stuff is really helpful to us. But in the meantime, join us next week. And remember... Who cares?